Bleak Expectations by Mark Evans. Chapter the fourth, a young adulthood bitterly dismantled. Damn, blast, hell's teeth and God's elbow. Lily, Lily! There is no need to shout, Father. Shouting made this country great. The sun never sets on the British Empire because if it ever did, someone would shout at it and it would have to come right back up again. Oh, Father. Where is that accursed journalist, Sarkwell? Mr. Sarkwell, sir. Good morning. Mr. Sarkwell, you are late. I regret to say, Sir Philip, that I was delayed by a demonstration in Parliament Square. Some women had chained themselves to railings in protest at their place in society. Nonsense. They did not chain themselves. They were chained to the railings by their husbands <laughs> so that they were not stolen while the men were inside at important meetings. Father! These protests are merely a foolish fad. Father, that is not true. When you're a suffragette, you're a suffragette all the way, from your first cigarette to your last dying day. And I can't abide women smoking, unless they've been set fire to. But enough of these pleasantries. Are you ready to continue with my life story, Mr Sarkwell? Oh, of course, I. Once I have retrieved my pen from this box here... Oh, that's a large box for a pen. Well, no ordinary pen, this. It is a new type of pen invented by science. How modern of you. And here it is. Well, that's not a pen, it's a peacock. No, it is a pencock. The bird has been filled with special ink. All you have to do is remove a feather to use as a quill. Um... Oh, uh... Only it does make the peacock frightfully cross. <laughs> the feathers grow back over time, and to refill it, you simply place the animal in a bucket of ink. <laughs> it is entirely organic and environmentally sustainable. Not so sustainable now. You shot my pencock. Pens should be like women, silent and disposable. <laughs> now, continue. Yes, um... Perhaps you might like to borrow my pen. Oh, that is most kind of you. Thank you. How does it write? Perfectly. Stop being nice to each other and listen. <laughs> my story continues now. My sister Poppy had died, and I was trapped in a London workhouse with my best friend, Harry Biscuit, my sister Pippa, and my father's old companion, Mr Parsimonious, the most generous of men. The workhouse was run by Beadle Hardthrasher, a man who was as kind as he was jolly, which was not at all. <laughs> to atone for your hideous, unchristian poverty, I will work you into the arms of the ever-loving Jesus, <laughs> by which I mean death. <laughs> Harry and I were put to work in a bottling factory where my job was to test the bottles which I did by having them smashed over my head. <laughs> Bow your head. A bottle as weak as the human spirit. Oh, what? You cry out? Did our Lord Jesus cry out on the cross? No. He recited poetry and composed witty epigrams. <laughs> right, next bottle. Bow your head. Really? Ow! Behold, a good, strong bottle. <laughs> Let us test it once more. <clears throat> Alas. <laughs> This bottle's faith has fallen short. 
Harry's job was to pick up the pieces of broken bottle with his tongue. <laughs> the Lord gave us brooms and brushes, but they make us proud. And proudity is a sin. <laughs> the tongue is your true path to glory. Yes, sir. <laughs> we worked a 23 and a half hour day, and in the remaining half an hour, we had to eat, sleep, and perform 27 minutes of prayers. <laughs> and Holy Ghost, amen. 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 And so to bed. Arise, sinners. Sleeping is blasphemy. I feared we would not long survive. One night, I was helping Mr. Parsimonious to peel potatoes. Uh, not to be eaten. Beadle Hardthrasher believed that potatoes were shaped like the face of Satan, and so must be peeled into the shape of the cross. <laughs> there were 10,000, and all we had to peel them with was a carrot. <laughs> Young Pip, I am very much afraid we shall die in this place. Oh, it is not so bad. Search your peelings. You know it to be true. <laughs> I knew he was right. In that bleak place, I realised only a greater power could help us. I got down on my knees and I began to pray. I was prepared to wait months, years even, for God to deliver me from the suffering I was in, for even the pious are seldom rewarded swiftly. Patience was all. Dear God, please... Let her contain lots of money for Pip Ben! Well, that was quicker than I expected. Inside was a sheet of paper, but no ordinary paper. It was a £312 note. We are saved! Pippa, Harry Biscuit, look! I have never seen so much money in one note. But where did it come from, dear brother? Wait, there is a second piece of paper. Dear Pip Bin, hope this helps out. Yours sincerely... That convict you helped in the recent past. But the beadle was not impressed. Money, you have money. Money is the work of the horned one. Do you mean goats? <laughs> and worse, your money was not earned by Christian sweat, Christian toil and Christian exploitation of the poor. <laughs> that, in my book, is blasphemy, and seeing as my book is the Bible, I am right. But, sir... No buts. <laughs> Hard study of the scriptures for you. Hard study of the scriptures meant standing in front of a wall of stones onto which books of the Bible had been written, which was then pushed on top of you. <laughs> the true path to Christian knowledge is through direct bodily contact with the Bible. But I was determined to escape. And as he prepared to topple the wall onto me, I charged at him. Together, we smashed into the holy wall. Blocks of scripture tumbled down. Deuteronomy plummeted past my left ear. Numbers past my right. And all four gospels narrowly missed my body. But Beadle Hardthrasher was not so lucky. Oh, he has been struck. There he lay his chest crushed by revelations, his legs pinned by Leviticus, and Ruth balanced on his head. Yay, got him! Get off the man's head, Ruth. Give him some dignity. Sorry. <laughs> he is dead. Now come, let us reclaim our lives. In triumph, we went to the finest restaurant in all of London, Snetterton's Eatorium. Madam, sirs, are you ready to order? We'll have the crispy deep-fried elephant to share as a starter. Yum. And for my main course, I'd like the roast dodo. Is that rare? Increasingly so. <laughs> Madam? Uh, just an otter salad, please. 
And, Mr Parsimonious? I shall have the fruits of the forest platter, a dish of badgers, hedgehogs, weasels and stoats, <laughs> delicately garnished with a whole oak tree. Splendid. <laughs> Harry? What is this dish, the multi-layered meat feast? It is an ox stuffed with a slightly smaller ox, stuffed with a tiny ox, stuffed with a sheep, stuffed with a goose, stuffed with a duck, stuffed with a hen, stuffed with a wren, stuffed with a robin, stuffed with a hummingbird, stuffed with a mouse. Heavens! However do they prepare that? They carefully line the animals up, nose to tail, and then startle the mouse. <laughs> the mouse runs straight inside the hummingbird... Which is in itself startled and runs into the robin and so on. I'll have that, please. I'm afraid it's off, sir. They didn't line them up carefully enough and now the kitchen is in bestial chaos. <laughs> oh, uh, then I'll just have the spaniel tartar. And to drink? Uh, your drinks have been taken care of already, sir. By whom? Uh, by that gentleman over there. I looked across the restaurant and saw my evil guardian, Mr Gently Benevolent. He has sent over this bottle. Chateau Cyanide? <laughs> Sounds delicious. Let me have some. No, Harry. I do not trust Mr Benevolent. He also sent a note. Dear Pippin, if I was to say I'm glad to see you alive, I would be lying. Yes, I can read it for myself, you know. <laughs> Just trying to be helpful. Mr. Benevolent, please leave us. Seeing as we are in public and I can do nothing terribly evil, very well. But watch out, Pip-Bin. You thwarted my plans and I will have revenge. Incidentally, your mother sends her love. Where is she, you monster? She is... No, I'm not telling. <laughs> Goodbye, Pip-Bin. And now, sir, your crispy deep-fried elephant will be prepared before your very eyes. <laughs> Mr. Benevolent was a painful reminder. All was not safe. I determined to invest my fortune wisely, and so I sought financial advice. Mr. Parsimonious, you are my father's business partner, and now you must become mine. Well, then, there are many suitable schemes. First, a share issue for the new Prussian drilling concern. Drilling for what? Mustard. Custard. Basically all the yellow rhyming liquids. <laughs> Tempting. What else? Property investment. Tell me more. A simple series of leased remortgages paying back nine pence on the capital sum with an amortised bond of 7% of the accrued interest in the contractual monies of the loan stipendiary fiscalisation. I was hoping for something more complicated. <laughs> the company is the reputable partnership of Crooked, Ripoff and Don't. <laughs> I'm interested. Anything else? Investors are wanted for a new club where men can enjoy smoking cigars in the wonderful atmosphere of gas. <laughs> and finally, a Mr George Stevenson is looking for capital to build a so-called steam locomotive. But that's just madness. Madness, I tell you, it'll never happen, never. Very well, I am decided. All of them, except the steam locomotive nonsense. I made my investments and sat back to await news of my increasing fortune. Extra, extra! Mustard and custard strike turns out to be just yellow oil! Oh. Oh, well, plenty more investments left. Extra! House remortgage scam exposed! Crooked, rip-off and don't turn out to be thieving scandals! Well, the new cigar club filled with gas will see me, right? <laughs> oh. Well, at least I didn't invest in that Madman Stevenson scheme. Extra! Invention of the railways! First mass transportation network and massive boom in economy bound to follow. Bugger. <laughs> and thus, as suddenly as we've been rich, 
We were poor again. It is all my fault. I fear the workhouse has addled my business brain. No, your advice was good. Just a little bit exactly the opposite of what it should have been. <laughs> he had ruined us. Yet I could hold no malice against him. Although, one time I did sort of accidentally punch him. <laughs> now there was nothing for it. We had to get jobs. Is there money to be made from being pretty? Yes, but I fear not in a wholesome way. <laughs> Harry Biscuit, what about you? I shall take to the stage as Harry Biscuit, the human swan. <laughs> well... Good luck with that. <laughs> Mr Parsimonious. I shall sell business advice to people and then run after them, begging them to do the opposite of what I just said. As for myself, I decided that I would become a best-selling novelist. Right. Here we go. Chapter one. It was the best of times. And so, everyone was lovely and happy. The end. No, rubbish! Hmm... Ah, how Ebenezer Scrooge hated Harvest Festival. <laughs> nonsense, nonsense. By dawn, I was still unpublished, and the room was knee-deep in discarded novels. Good morning, Pip-Bin. And to you, tell me, how did Harry Biscuit the Human Swan go? Not so well. Um, <laughs> I broke a man's arm. <laughs> and the king tried to eat me. How is your novelising going? All this paper is my failed attempt. So much of it. Ow, a paper cup. Ow, and another. Damn this paper. It is inconvenient and dangerous. Yes, and looking at a newspaper that I tripped over on the way home, I read that waste paper-related injuries are up 40% so far this year. If only there was somewhere we could put waste paper other than tossing it casually on the floor. <laughs> and then the idea came to me. <laughs> but of course, that's it. How about some sort of cylindrical device, closed at the bottom, open at the top, in which you could put waste paper, or indeed any rubbish? I need a name. For what, Pip-Bin? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Harry, you're a genius. I shall name it after myself, and it shall be called the Piperator. <laughs> Great name. Now, I must take our remaining money to a foundry to build this device. Within the week, I had a prototype of my piperator. What do you think? It's stunning. It must be 50 feet high and 20 feet across. <laughs> New technology's always rather bulky at first, but the size soon comes down. <laughs> Remember the first spinning jenny? It was the size of Scotland. But now, you can very nearly fit one in a normal 10-acre room. Why don't you try it, Pipper? How? Do you have anything you wish to discard? Why, yes. I have been carrying this paper bag for three years for want of anywhere to dispose of it. Then simply climb the ladder and place it in the piperator. Oh, I see. It seems so complicated at first, but it's really quite intuitive. What do you think, Mr Parsimonious, my trusted anti-expert? It's a terrible idea and will never catch on. Marvellous! <laughs> the name, however, is excellent. Not so marvellous. Then we need a name other than the piperator. How about the Disposathon 4000? <laughs> Even better. I know. As a tribute to our parents, it should be given our family name. The Bin. Hmm. Mr. Parsimonious? Terrible name. Then the Bin it is. <laughs> we shall go into production immediately, and one day I hope there will be a Bin in every town in Britain. I was wrong, of course. 
through the application of those twin jewels of British manufacturing, science and child labour, <laughs> the bin was soon small enough to fit in any domestic room. People loved it. I can't believe we lived so long with rubbish simply lying about. Now you just download it all to the bin. <laughs> love the different colours they come in. And if you get fed up with one, you can throw it away in another, fractionally bigger bin. <laughs> Money rolled in so fast I hardly knew what to do with it. So I asked Mr Parsimonious and did the opposite. You could invest in ships made from paper and old colanders. All right, I won't. But whatever you do, don't put any money into this so-called telegraph system. All right, I will. Within a few short months, I was that richest of men, a thousand heir. <laughs> and with money came fame. So it was that I was invited to a ball by His Majesty King George IV. To think that we were recently in the workhouse. Indeed, dear sister. And Harry Biscuit, are you enjoying yourself? I am, Pitbin, although such events make me nervous. And those nerves make me very, very clumsy. Perhaps a glass of champagne will steady your nerves. Good idea. Oh, sorry. Sorry, everyone. I did warn you. As Harry slopped champagne down his trousers, I experienced a happiness I'd not felt in a long time. And then, suddenly, that happiness fled. Pip-Bin, how utterly undelightful to see you. And good evening to you, too, Mr. Benevolent. Good evening, he says. Good evening. Your good evenings will not last, Pip-Bin. One day soon I shall greet you by saying bad evening, and you will have no choice but to sadly shake your head and say, yes, yes, it is a bad evening. <laughs> I nearly struck him then, but my hand was stayed by the arrival of a face I knew well from coins, stamps, and portraits of the king. For it was the king. <laughs> George IV himself. Damn, Mr. Bin! Sir, I'm honoured to be recognised. Your marvellous invention has transformed life at the palace. We now have somewhere to put the dead dogs and servants. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Ah, the pain! Oh, the damnable pain! Sir? I'm sorry. It's this beastly gout. Oh, it's like a small child stabbing me repeatedly in the foot with a fork. I looked down and, to my surprise, saw a small child stabbing him repeatedly in the foot with a fork. Sir, there is a small child stabbing you repeatedly in the foot with a fork. Yes. Yes, the gout is on the other foot. The small child with a fork is to balance the pain out over both feet. I see, sir. Ah, the pain! The damnable pain! I'm sorry. It's the small child stabbing me repeatedly in the foot with a fork. Oh, it feels just like gout. Damn this gout! Damn this child! As I watched the king walk away, I decided to seek out Harry and Pippa to tell them of my royal meeting. But the two of them were chatting on the dance floor. I feel somewhat nervous. Um, forgive me if I'm a little clumsy. Of course. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, everyone. Oh, my leg! He's broken my leg! Uh, my mistake, sorry. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> my enjoyment of Pippa's elegant pirouettes and Harry's inept flailing was soon interrupted, however. Are you that bin fellow? I am he. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Admiral Hardthrasher. <laughs> he was obviously a veteran of many campaigns. His face was grimly scarred with powder burns, and as I shook his hand, it was curiously hard to the touch. Forgive my wooden hand. 
The fact is, after the body parts I've had blown off in battle, I'm made mostly of wood. <laughs> this leg here... Teak. <clears throat> the other one... Balsa. Helps me float if I fall overboard. The right arm's oak. The left one's willow. Doubles as a cricket bat. These ribs... Pure mahogany. Look at the grain, lovely. My kidneys are elder. I've got a sycamore liver and my lungs are pure elm. And my hair is chestnut. But enough about me. I believe you were once a pupil of my brother Jeremiah's. Sir, I was. I also believe you were responsible for his death. Might have been. And I say to you, good work. He was a weakling and a coward, not a naval man at all, with his lax ways and ill-discipline. You run a tight ship, do you, sir? I have the honour of commanding His Majesty's Sixth Flotilla from aboard my flagship, HMS Gull. <laughs> my Aunt Lily, before she had almost certainly died, had given me a picture from the London Gazette in which my father could be seen on the docks at Portsmouth. Perhaps this was my chance to go there and investigate. Might I visit your ship sometime? It would be an honour to have such a great inventor on board. Why don't you come down tomorrow? Early in the next day, I headed for Portsmouth. I found my way to the docks by following the sound of prostitutes, and the Admiral, <laughs> the Admiral welcomed me on board. This is the officer's mess, so called because it is traditionally a terrible mess. Of course, your inventions stopped that, so we're renaming it the officer's tidy. And this is the punishment quarters. This seems to be the biggest room on board. Yes, we do a lot of punishment. The cat-o'-nine-tails? Cat-o'-nine-tails. <laughs> we have no use for such a pathetic device as the cat-o'-nine-tails. Our cat has 28 tails. We also have a dog of five spikes, a rabbit of ten punches, and a specially trained biting ferret. And then there are the more traditional punishments, such as keel-hauling and horse-whipping, for which we use a real horse. In fact, one is about to happen now. And still, sailor. <laughs> now, let me talk you through the ships in my flotilla. Over there is HMS Anger. Then HMS Take That, You Filthy French Swine. HMS Take That, You Filthy English Swine. We captured that one off the French. <laughs> and all lined up, we have HMS War, HMS Huh, HMS What Is It Good For? <laughs> and HMS Absolutely Nothing. Say it again. I never repeat myself. <laughs> A fine fleet indeed. Now, step into my cabin and tell me how you disposed of my brother Jeremiah. Oh, it was... Quite simple, really. Much easier than your other brothers, Obadiah and Ezekiel. They took some killing, I can tell you. You were responsible for the deaths of Obadiah and Ezekiel. Um, maybe a bit. I may have despised Jeremiah, but I loved the others as if they were my brothers. Which they were. Therefore, I, Hasdrubal Heartthrasher, am forced to take action. Once on, sir! Take this heathen murderer below. Cursing my luck, I was dragged below decks and imprisoned. Above, I heard the sounds of the ship preparing to depart. Why anger and hoist the mainsail? Million troops to pump tea and splice the shimmy shangles. <laughs> and I knew that even if I escaped the ship, 
I would be trapped in the middle of the English Channel. Terror gripped me as I stared at the walls of my prison. And then, in the darkness, carved into the wood, I saw something that gave me great resolve. What's that? T.B. My father's initials. So my father had been on board HMS Gurr, and with his last ounce of strength, he had managed to carve his initials. Then, with another last ounce, he had carved a letter. Dear Pip, Pippa, Poppy, and my dear wife Agnes, I am trapped on this ship. Must go as I'm down to last ounce of strength. Lots of love, Thomas. And finally, in a trembling hand, he had managed to scratch the rough musical outline for a piano concerto. <laughs> bombi, bombi, bombi. Oh, not bad. My father was alive. I had to escape. My chance arose later when Admiral Hardthrasher came down to gloat. Gloat, gloat, gloat. Gloaty, gloaty, gloat, gloat. You'll not hold me captive, you wooden monster. I hurled myself at him. We tumbled to the deck. You cannot beat me! But I had been planning. As we rolled around the pitching floor of the ship, I grabbed his wooden left arm and, pressing it close to his wooden left leg, started to rub the two together. What are you doing? I rubbed as hard and fast as I could, and then, yes, glory be, I saw a spark in the darkness. No! I rubbed more, and there were further sparks, and suddenly he was ablaze. Every wooden part of him. Alas, so was the ship, and I feared the flames would consume me as well. Must get out! In the inferno, I saw an axe. I grabbed it and started hacking at the deck. And finally, I was through. Done it! Thank heavens! That seawater flooding in will douse the fire. And it did. It also sacked the ship. I didn't really think that through. And so I found myself adrift in the English Channel. Help! Somebody help! But the ship had sunk with all hands. I floated alone and terrified, dreaming of my family, but fearing that I would never see them again. No. Adrift in the ocean. What about the jellyfish? The ice cream whales, the trifle sharks? This is awful. How did you escape? You will hear next time. But what if I can't wait? What if I die of excitement first? Then the world will suffer a very minor loss. Oh. Now leave and return next week. Yes, sir. Accursed man. Father, he is just doing his job. And if a man who is paid to slaughter puppies was found knee-deep in puppy entrails and juggling their tiny doggy heads, he too could be said to be just doing his job. But would that make it any the less vile? Is that a real job? Probably in France. At least now we're near the end. Another two sessions should do it. And next time, you shall hear how I fell in love and experienced the greatest loss of all. Bleak Expectations was written by Mark Evans and starred Richard Johnson as Sir Philip Bin, Tom Allen as Young Pip, Anthony Head as Mr. Benevolent, Lawrence Howarth as Mr. Parsimonious, Geoffrey Whitehead as Beetle Hardthrasher, Susie Kane as Pippa, Sarah Hadland as Lily, James Barkman as Harry Biscuit, Mark Perry as the King, and Mark Evans as the Sailor. It was produced by Gareth Edwards. <laughs> <laughs>